so good to have you connect with us this morning and join together. Um, we've been working through uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians when I've been preaching, and uh, we're going to continue in chapter one of that, and today we're going to focus on verse 13 of chapter one. In fact, it's going to be the first half of verse 13 of chapter one. Um, but we're going to read the first 14 verses uh, so we get some context in that. So if you have a Bible, you may want to follow in your Bible. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. The words will also appear on the screen. Okay, this is what Paul writes. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purposes of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Okay, when I said uh, we were just going to get through half a verse today, you might have thought, great, we've got plenty of the morning left uh, to go at. Um, but uh, just look at how much there is just in these opening verses of the letter to the Ephesians. Paul's already explained to us, before we get to verse 13, how we have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ how we've been chosen in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, how we've been predestined for adoption to sonship and according to his plan to work out everything in conformity with his will, how we have redemption through his blood, how we have the forgiveness of sins, how God's grace has been lavished on us and how he's given us wisdom and understanding. And we've looked at all of those things in detail in previous messages and you can view those on YouTube or on our website uh, if you want to catch up on any of those. But now, in verse 13, Paul says, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, when you believed. And he goes on. Paul's now making it personal. He's making it personal to the Ephesians. This is for you, he says. I'm speaking to you. You were included in this. And I guess I'm making it personal to us here this morning if we're a follower of Jesus. This is what we were included in. This is what we have come into. Paul's saying, you've heard these things, you've believed them, and they were sealed with a mark of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to look at hearing the word and believing it. Next time I preach, we're going to be looking at uh, our marking with a seal of the Holy Spirit. But today, hearing the word 
and believing it. Now, Paul knows all of this is true for those he's writing to in Ephesus because he was there when it happened. We can read about this in Acts chapter 19. Paul and his uh, companions travel to Ephesus, and when they get there, Paul sees some disciples, and he asks them a question. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, there must have been something to Paul that indicated perhaps they didn't. Perhaps they didn't receive the Holy Spirit. So he's asking them a question, and he's right. Um, they say, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So they, they, they don't even know that the Holy Spirit is real. So Paul questions them further, and he finds out that they have been baptized by John, John the Baptist. And uh, they weren't even believing in what Jesus had done. If you remember, John the Baptist said, one is coming after me. Uh, he's predicting and foretelling the coming of Jesus. These people were, were followers of John. They got baptized. They, they believed something. They understood something, but they'd not really been following Jesus. They certainly hadn't been baptized with the Holy Spirit. They'd not even heard of the Holy Spirit. So Paul explains to them about Jesus, and we, we kind of have a one-liner there in Acts 19. He will have said quite a lot, I'm sure, to explain to them all about Jesus, to explain to them about the filling of the Holy Spirit. But as, this, as he's speaking, uh, they believe, they're filled with the Spirit, they speak in tongues, and they prophesy. That's in Ephesus. These are the people that Paul is writing to now. So he knows what they've been through. He knows their background experience. They've had a real experience. And foundational to that was hearing and believing the gospel as Paul told it to them. He told them the gospel. He told them about Jesus. They heard it. They believed. They came into it. Last time we were speaking about disputable matters, different things that Christians can believe that um, aren't central to our faith and shouldn't get in the way of church unity. But this is central, foundational stuff. This is what we might call the gospel. This is the good news. This is the key to our following of Jesus. You see, people can appear to be disciples. Here were some disciples in Ephesus but they hadn't heard the gospel. They hadn't heard about Jesus. They hadn't believed it. They thought maybe it was about trying to live a good life following God, doing their best to be a good person, putting some good habits in their life. They'd, they'd been baptized. They'd repented of their sin. They thought, well, we need to turn our life around. We need to be better people. But of course, being better people, putting good habits in your life, it's great, they're good habits. Joe and Gary are speaking about putting good habits in our life, good structures in our life. They're super helpful when we've got a relationship with Jesus. But they won't help us gain a relationship with Jesus. We have to have the relationship with Jesus, then we can put some of these things in our lives. These disciples hadn't, had realized they were sinful, they'd repented, but they weren't followers of Jesus and they never heard of the Holy Spirit. Many people today might go to church, they might try and live good lives, they might worship, they might pray, read their Bibles, give to the church, try and please God, but unless we realize that our entire position before God depends solely on the person and work of Jesus, 
we're not actually even Christians, believers. We're, we're in a similar position to the Pharisees, really, religious people. Religious people who did all the right things. They believed in God. They fasted twice a week. They prayed. They gave tithes. They kept the Sabbath. They sacrificed. And yet, because they weren't followers of Jesus, they actually opposed him. They opposed him. The gospel is about the salvation which is available to us because of what Jesus has done and Jesus alone. And once we accept that, then we receive all of these benefits that Paul's already been talking about in the letter. We don't become Christians by having some kind of experience. We don't become Christians by feeling differently about something, feeling differently about God, by our life becoming more fulfilling or more joyful, because lots of religions and other, other ways of thinking, other, other ways of living can bring about those things. Followers of Islam and Buddhism and Sikhism, they can do and do do good works. Those practicing mindfulness might feel more peaceful, more joyful, more calm. People can be very loving because of these things. They can be good people. They can know more joy in their life maybe, but they don't present the truth of the gospel, these practices, and it's the truth that sets us free. It's the truth of God and Jesus that saves us. You can't be a Christian apart from believing and living out the truth of the Word of God. And you come into all these things by believing them. Otherwise, they just weigh out there, even though they've been given to us. All of these things Paul's listed, they can just be like words out there. I don't, I don't really get it. We come into it by hearing about it and believing it. And, and that's actually where the problem can lie for us, because we're not very good at believing the things that Paul sets out in this letter. Maybe it's because it all seems too good to be true. We're constantly bombarded by things which seem amazing, which seem too good to be true. And most of the time, they are too good to be true. I regularly get emails from people who, for some reason, I get these emails saying, um, this person says, oh, I've just come into millions of dollars. I just, I just need some help in getting this into the country. Actually, if you can help with your bank account, I'll give you like two, three, four million dollars if you'll just help me. We'll split the money. I seem to keep getting those emails. I don't know if anyone else does. Sometimes they're from pastors, apparently. Um, they promise to share me all this money. Like amazing. I've not had to do anything. Sometimes I go on Facebook and, and I, I get these friend requ requests from attractive young women who say that they want to be my friend. And, and I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, and if I engaged with them, I'm sure they would tell me that I'm the man of their dreams uh, before stealing my money or, or whatever else their motive might be. I don't engage with them. The other day, as I was preparing this message, I mean, sometimes we get, we get news that, that they're trying to persuade us to believe that isn't good news. It, it's actually working on fear. The other day I was preparing this message, and as I was preparing, I got a phone call, and, uh, and, and this phone call, there was uh, someone telling me that uh, a package with illegal goods um, was heading to me, and it had been intercepted, and now a warrant was out for my arrest. And I should hit one and talk to an agent to, to sort this all out. So I hit end call. And, uh, you know, just so if the police are waiting outside for me, just let me know and I'll talk to them afterwards. 
There's so much that we get bombarded with is that rightly, we don't believe. We don't be, I don't believe that attractive women are wanting to be my Facebook friends if I've never met them. I don't believe that someone is gonna give me millions of dollars. I don't believe that my package has been intercepted. I'm sure it'll be with me soon. <laughs> I don't believe any of it. Um, because it, it's lies or it's hype. So when it comes to reading all of this that Paul's talking about, we can be tempted to question it. Is Paul just hyping things up? Is he just giving them a good pep talk in Ephesus? Come on, guys. Is it religious hype? The good news can seem too good to be true. And it might seem that we've got good reasons for not believing it. We might have very good reasons for not believing it. Firstly, it doesn't appear to be true when we examine our own lives. Or we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ, and we can look, have we? You know, we can look at our lives and we can question it. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. We've been chosen by God? Really? Me? It, it, it doesn't feel true emotionally. We don't feel like we have been blessed with all love and wisdom and understanding. You know, that was what we were looking at last time. We, we've, we've received all wisdom and understanding. I, really? I don't, I don't see it. I don't feel it. So we can be tempted not to believe it. Our feelings are so often what we go on. Even in a meeting, we may, you know, it's great. A couple of people brought uh, some contributions this morning, which really help and, and encourage us and strengthen us. We might feel that we've got something from God, and a lot of the time, we talk ourselves out of it. Oh, I, it can't be God. God wouldn't use me to bring that. God wouldn't use me. Oh, I don't think I'm going to go up and say it. We talk ourselves out of things because we, we don't believe that God really loves us, that God really wants to use us in that way. So how can we get the truth of God into our lives? Paul says, you've heard it, you've believed it, you've come into it. And it was sealed by the Spirit, which we'll look at next time. So if we're going to believe it, the first thing we have to do is hear it. The first thing we have to do is hear the message. Romans 10 verse 17 says, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes when we hear the message. Life comes as we hear the word. It's like when Lazarus was dead. I mean, we're, we, the Bible talks about us being dead in our sins. We're dead. We can't do a lot when we're dead normally. Well, ever. Um, <laughs> Lazarus was dead. And Jesus came to the tomb. And Jesus stood there and he called Lazarus, come out. And as the word went out from Jesus, life came. And it's the same for us. When we hear the word of God, even though we're dead in our sins, the Bible says, life can come. Wouldn't you have loved to be there, by the way, when Lazarus came out of the tomb? I mean, he comes out of the tomb, and then Jesus says, take the bandages off him. So you can imagine him kind of hopping out of the tomb. Oh, okay, I'm here. And out he comes. I would just love to be there. <laughs> but the main point is that he was dead, and couldn't do anything about it until the word came out. And that's the same for us. Hearing is important. And, and also how we hear 
is important. It's not just letting the words bounce off our eardrums. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells a story of the parable of the sower or the parable of the seed. You probably know the story. The farmer is scattering seed. It falls on different types of ground, and it represents the word of God going out, Jesus says, and how people hear that word. Some of it uh, is, falls on the path, and it's snatched away by the birds. Some of it is in rocky places, so it has no root, and it only lasts for a short time until trouble comes. Some is on thorns, and it's choked because, Jesus says, the worries of life and deceitfulness of wealth and desires for other things make it unfruitful. And some of the word falls on good soil where people hear it, accept it, it produces a crop, it multiplies many times. That whole parable is talking about how we hear the word of God and how we receive the word of God and apply it into our lives. And it's saying we all receive it in different ways. Everyone receives it in different ways. And Jesus goes and he finishes that and he says, consider carefully what you hear. Consider it carefully. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. What's he saying? He's saying, he's asking a question, what measure are you using to listen to the word of God? How carefully are you listening to the word of God? Because the way that you listen will apply, will, will, will affect how fruitful that word is in your life. If you listen really well, if you're good soil, that word will bear a lot of fruit. If you don't, because you've got lots of other things going on in your head and you're worried about life or you're worried about money or you, whatever it might be, it won't bear as much fruit. Is your mind fully on what you're hearing? Or is it divided and on other things? And, and that would be the same for this morning. Now, I'm not saying that everyone has to sit and just look straight ahead at the preacher. I'm not gonna move, staring. Because actually we can do that and our minds can be very inactive. Um, and I'm also aware that some activities can really help people to listen. So our kids used to have fidget toys at school and that really helped them to concentrate, just to, just to have something to, to play and fidget with. I, I know other people do other things. I, some people, I can see someone knitting. Uh, and I know I've talked to people who knit and they say, that actually really helps me to concentrate on the words. So some things can really help focus our minds. Something can really help. Other things might not help us to listen so well. So if I'm writing a shopping list or I'm reading a book about something else, that's probably not helping me as much because my mind is divided. And, and some of these things might help us, even if we're parents, um, to consider for our kids uh, when they're here and when they're listening because some things might be super helpful to help concentrate. You know, I, I know that some of these guys, they will draw on pictures and they'll be drawing things that come into, into their mind and that they hear about. That's wonderful. Um, because obviously we want our kids to come to faith. A friend of mine talks about how as a child, he was so disruptive during kids' church, uh, the, kid, the church kids' work, downstairs in the building, he was continually sent upstairs as a punishment. Um, and, and they'd say, okay, well, that's it. You can't behave down here. You're going to have to go and be in the boring meeting upstairs. <laughs> that's, that's what they told him. And he used to sit under the AV desk at the back um, where his father used to serve. And uh, he told me, he told us as a church, he said, that was where I heard the words of God 
preached, and I believe them. He came to faith through his punishment because the Word of God is living and active. He heard it, and he believed, and he applied it, and any of us can at any age. Are you listening to absorb everything that's being said? Or are you looking for certain things that you can agree with or disagree with? Is your mind cluttered and full of the cares of the world, worried? If it does, the word will be choked. It won't take root. Does it get snatched from you so that you can't remember what was said, maybe when you go to life group a few days later? If so, taking notes might be a helpful thing. It's not a rule. You don't have to do it. It might be helpful for you because you can reflect on things later on. I know that some people listen to the messages again so that they can really take them on board. I know that some people will listen to one message online and then they'll come to the other meeting or vice versa. Um, I spoke to someone the other day who said, oh, I listened online to the first meeting and I, it was really good, uh, the whole meeting. He said, so I, I thought maybe I'll come to the second meeting, see if it's just as good. And uh, he said, well, it was. <laughs> Your people who take God's word seriously and listen well will get more from it. And it will bear more fruit in their lives. As we meditate on it, it bears more fruit. That's why we encourage our life groups primarily to discuss and apply what we preach on Sunday. Not because we think we're so amazing in what we say and that we just want you to, we think our, our voices are good for you to listen to. It's because when the word of God's preached, it bears fruit. Jesus said that it was so. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. One of the ways we can prove uh, that we belong to God is that we listen to Him. It's not a foolproof test, but it's a good indicator of whether someone's a follower of Jesus or not. If you've got no interest in listening to the Word of God preached and you're not motivated by it, then maybe there's questions over whether someone is His sheep. Are you anxious to hear the shepherd's voice? Are you hanging on the Word of God? Do you want to get hold of it? Now you might say, okay, but I don't really think too much of the preachers here. I don't really think they're that great. Well, maybe. Someone actually once gave that as one of the reasons for moving on from our church. That's okay. Um, I'm not going to take it overly personally because we've all got different levels of preaching ability. Paul himself wasn't known as being much of a preacher. He was preaching once in Ephesus. Someone fell asleep, fell out of a window, and died. <laughs> I don't think that's happened here yet, so we're pretty good. No, you're all fairly low down. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, he writes about himself, and he says, some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person, he's unimpressive, and his speaking amounts to nothing. Ooh, ouch. And he admits as much in the next chapter. He says, I may indeed be untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. Paul wasn't much of a preacher. It's not, God's, it's, it's, not, it's not the preacher that's important. It's God's word that's important. There's plenty of other speakers who are more engaging, funny, entertaining than, than any of us here are. The question isn't how engaging is the preacher. The question is, is the word of God being preached? Because it's the word of God that changed people's lives. We hear it, we believe it, we're changed. And we can preach it with confidence. We don't have to dissect it because God's word is true. God was before everything. He's in everything. He knows everything. 
the main thing we need to be clear when the word of God's being preached is, is that actually the word of God? Does the Bible actually say that? We have to be like the Bereans in Acts 17. The Bible says uh, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica because they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And as a result, many of them believed. What a great model to have. We receive the message with great eagerness, and then we examine the scripture. Does the Bible really say that? So we're eager to hear. We're not coming cynically. We're not like, oh, I'm not sure about this guy. No, we're eager to hear. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out. I'm going to check if scripture's true. That's why I give references when, we, when I preach. I'm not just throwing things out. I'll try and reference it so you can jot it down. You can go back later. You can check that the Bible actually says that. A lot of them we put up on the screen as well. Test it. Don't just believe it. Check it out. It's the word of truth. It penetrates through all the lies of our society. And there are so many. The Bible corrects them all. Everything that our culture teaches, it's like light shining in darkness. And once we've heard this word, we need to believe it and we live it out. Because nothing about the gospel operates without faith. Romans 1.17 says, in the gospel, a righteousness of God is revealed a righteousness that's by faith from first to last. That's why it's so wonderful. We don't have to do anything apart from believe it and then live it out. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. So that's strange, isn't it? Don't just listen to the word and deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So Paul, uh, sorry, James is saying, if you listen, but don't do anything about it, it's as silly as looking in the mirror and seeing something and forgetting what you've seen. Can you imagine you're about to go out somewhere and you go and you look in the mirror and you see that you've got this huge great booger kind of hanging off your nose and you go, Ugh. oh well, I'm going out. And then you walk away and you forget what you've seen and you do nothing about it. That would be pretty <laughs> gross and embarrassing. But that's what James is saying. He's saying, if you hear the word, it's like looking in a mirror. You see something. The Bible shows us things about ourselves. The Bible can reveal things about ourselves. Oh, man, my life doesn't quite match up with this. We see something. It's like a mirror. And maybe this morning you've seen something for the first time, but it's not enough to hear it or see it. You have to do something about it. If we don't do something about it, it's like walking out with that spiritual booger hanging out of your nose and, it, and you've not changed anything. And James is saying, that's crazy. Why would you do that? You have to act on it. Hebrews 4 verse 2 speaks of the Israelites who were wandering in the wilderness. And it says, we also had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. They heard from God. But the message they heard was of no value 
to them because they didn't share the faith of those who believed. In other words, the Israelites heard the words of God, but they didn't mix it with faith. You have to mix the word of God with faith. God said, I'm going to bring you into a land flowing with milk and honey. It was theirs for the taking. God says, I'm going to give it you. They heard him. They didn't believe him. They didn't mix hearing the word with faith. And so they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years. Similarly, we can hear the good news of the gospel. We can hear the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ and we can go, ah, well, they're not for us. God doesn't love me like that. It's too good to be true. And if that's how we respond, we will miss out. We will miss out. We have to combine what we hear with faith. We have to believe it. We have to live it out. In some ways, if we don't believe it, it's almost like we're calling God a liar. And God talks about that generation and he says, I loathe that generation because they didn't believe him. Those are strong words. Now, of course, God understands the reasons why we might struggle to believe him. He understands that maybe things have happened to us in the past which affect our trust. Maybe things that have been spoken over us in the past, maybe by our parents. And God is gracious. And God comes to us time and time again so that we can get hold of this truth for ourselves. That we're chosen, that we're predestined, that we're blessed, that we're holy and blameless. He wants us to get hold of it. We have to get hold of it and believe it and not just rely on our feelings. We have to tell ourselves, this is the word of God. It's not some sort of religious hype. It's not just to make us feel good once a week in our worship times. If you're in Christ, these things apply to you. In our life group, Rebecca Standen had a picture this week which I felt was relevant as I was preparing this. We'd been talking in our life group and referenced Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. And so she said she saw this picture and she said, as we were talking about deer panting for water, I saw this picture of a deer in the forest, standing, or many deer in the forest, standing with their mouths open, waiting for some drops of rain to quench their thirst. And she said, yes, God sends the rain, but there's a river right there. Don't be satisfied with some drops of rain. Jump into the water until you're totally and completely immersed. We want more of you, God. Be intentional. Seek out the river. Don't passively wait for some drops of rain. Hunger and thirst for more. She says, some people have never seen the river. Lead them to it. Jump in and be immersed. All of these messages from Ephesians, everything Joe and Gary are preaching to us is leading to our souls being satisfied in God to receive the blessings and the refreshing that God brings. It's not about the structures. We need to understand that. It's not about the structures. It's not about prayer. It's not about rest. It's not about scripture. It's not about preaching for the sake of preaching. It's not about meetings for the sake of meetings. It's about God. It's about Jesus. It's about hearing his word, believing it, and in faith receiving all the blessings that he has for us. We're going to end today by taking communion together. 
and remembering all that Jesus has done for us. We're going to remember his death on the cross. And we're going to believe that that death 2,000 years ago means so much to us. It's so real in our lives. We hear the words. We have to believe it. We have to live it out for ourselves. It's real. We can just go through the motions of communion. Otherwise, we can just oh, yeah, I'll take the wafer. I can drink the cup. I can focus in on how tasty this juice is or not. That's not what it's about. It's about receiving by faith what Jesus has done for us, what he's imparted to us on the cross. So I'm going to invite the band back up, and in a moment I'm going to invite Jody. I'm just going to pray for us, and then Jody will come, and she's going to lead us into communion, and, uh, and the band can just lead us in, in some closing worship. So why don't, we, uh, why don't we just pray? You can stay seated if you want as we come to communion, but let me just pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that we can, that the Word of God shines a light on our lives. It presents reality when we are so confused by so much in the world, and we try and figure it out, and what is true, and what is fake, and what is lies, and what is hype. And your word doesn't bring any of those things. It brings such a reality, so real. And it shines a light on our lives. But not only that, Lord, it shines a light on the gospel of Jesus Christ. It brings us to the truth of what, God, you have done for us in your love for us. And I pray that as we hear all of these things being spoken about and preached, I pray we'll begin to receive them with faith more and more. I pray those truths will change our lives because they're real and you've imparted and you've done it. And all we have to do is not work something up ourselves, be better, but we just have to believe and live it out. Help us to do that, Lord Jesus. Help us to come into all.